How powerful was that right there? Come on. Did you guys enjoy that? Can we just give God one more shout of praise and thankful to our team, Glenda, all those that uh, helped produce that. I'm sorry, baby. Forgive me. It's Mother's Day. I'm bumping into you. Jesus, help us. So we're so glad you're here on Mother's Day. Who brought their mom to church? Come on, somebody. Raise your hand. Whose mom brought them to church? Raise your hand. <laughs> All right. So this morning, I have the honor and the privilege to uh, interview my wife, who is an amazing mother of my five fantastic, fantabulous children. And, uh, and so the last two services have been a lot of fun, huh? Yeah. And so we're going to just go for it. Uh, we're going to start by reading John chapter 19. We're going to read a couple verses. Are y'all ready? Do you have your Bibles? Wave your Bibles at me if you have your Bible. Come on, somebody. Wow, look at all the real Bibles in the place. Y'all got saved. Hallelujah. How many, uh, how many have their Bible on a device, like an iPad or something like that? Raise it up high. Okay, if you have an Android, put it down. We don't want to see it right now. I said a, a real device. I'm just playing. We know that, you know, in that case, sanctification might be a process for you. So... Um, when you get saved, you'll go Mac and you'll never go back. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Who did that like years ago? You went Mac from PC to Mac and you said, I'm never going back. Seriously, for real. I know this is a church, but this is important stuff here. Okay. All right. John chapter 19. We're going to read two verses out of the New King Jimmy version. Are y'all ready? Let's read it together. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Amen. Would you pray with me real quick? Father, thank you so much for your word this morning and thank you for this time together. What an amazing time of worship. We're so thankful for the worship team and, and the dance team, Lord, and, and just everything that you're doing in this house. We are so honored uh, to be a part of this movement. We are moving from community to movement. And Lord, thank you for your presence that kisses every single gathering that we have. And we honor that. And Lord, thank you for the healing that's going to take, continue to take place in the lives of your people. We bless this time together and we pray in Jesus' name. Would you shout out amen? Amen. So in the reading of the scripture, I want to point some things out. And then I'm going to ask my wife four questions. Um, and we're going to get right into this, and it's going to be fun. Uh, the last couple services have just been amazing. I want to look at, look at this picture. I mean, if you could imagine Jesus shedding his blood, giving his life, broken, just his broken body on the cross, all of his disciples left, except looks like one, John. And if you consider Mary a disciple, which she was, she was there, but all the, all the men left except one guy, yeah. the one whom Jesus loved, the one that's written that he rested his head on the heart of Jesus. But there was some ladies, yeah. there was a mama, mm -hmm. 
There's something about the love of a mother. There's something about this thing that Jesus said while he's bleeding on the cross, behold your mother, referring to his mom. He wanted his mama taken care of. And I want to behold the love of a mother. We want to honor moms and we want to ask you if you could expound to us uh, on some areas, on some things about motherhood, but also just being a woman and being who God created you to be. Behold means look and see. So we're going to look and see and we're going to look at the love of a mom. And in this text, I see the unforsaking love of a mother. His mom, his aunt, Mary Magdalene, one gospel puts another woman there. So there was potentially four women there at the cross. Everybody else left except John and these ladies. Wow. Kind of reminds me of like a holy prayer meeting. Where are the guys, man? (laughs) Right? And so the first question I'm going to ask is, I've heard you say this, all right? And, uh, and so I'm going to quote you, and I'm going to ask you, what do you mean by this? And, and let's talk about it for a little bit. The, you said something to the effect that the world doesn't need a feminist movement. The world needs a Jesus movement. Yeah. So um, thanks, honey. I appreciate all of that. Um, when I say that the world didn't need a feminist movement, I, I'm young, so I never lived through a time when Um, women were really, really oppressed, like maybe my grandmother or her mother. But I do believe with all of my heart that there are times when as society, we as people in in society, we make an overcorrection. So in in a time when women might have been oppressed or looked as second-class citizens, we've made an overcorrection. We have become something we were never created to be. So when you look through the scripture, and you look all through the scripture, you know, um, something Zach says always is contextual hermeneutic. Historical, historical, contextual hermeneutic. Now, how many, when the first time they heard that, had no idea what it meant? You can raise your hand, because I didn't either. But he has taught me so well how to read the scripture through the context of what it actually meant to the reader and the writer. And I think so many times we miss things because of a cultural aspect in scripture. I believe the church, are are not just our church, but the church, God's body, Jesus's body, the bride of Christ, should be the most liberating, releasing, loving community on the planet. And sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're not. So, um, I think that the church has done an injustice by holding women back, and because of it, we've had to overcorrect. And so when I say I don't think we needed a feminist movement, we needed a Jesus movement, I believe if we look at the scripture and saw the way that Jesus saw women, we would have never needed an overcorrection. One story in particular that I that I love is this example of Mary, and she, was it Mary? She broke open an alabaster box of perfume and poured it on the feet of Jesus. Who knows that story in scripture? And I think this is a beautiful example of the way God sees women. I think that Jesus, he asked his disciples to stop and watch what was happening. I think, and, and he began to 
talk about how she was preparing him for something. And it was a beautiful um, sacrifice that she was laying at his feet. They all made their own sacrifices by leaving their day jobs to follow Jesus, right? All the disciples, they, they, kept, they left their fishing, they left their day job, they followed Jesus. She did something different. She took an alabaster box of perfume, the thing in that day that represented what women do to purify themselves and make themselves acceptable to society. She took that and she broke it at the feet of Jesus. And he said, this is what it takes to follow me. This, what she's doing is she's laying it all down for me. She took what made her pure, laid it at the feet of the one who would ultimately keep her pure forever. It's just the difference of who we are as men and as women, what we do to lay it all at his feet. See, he was saying, now she's my disciple. Now she follows me. So I, I believe with all my heart, if we look through scripture and we see the way that Jesus was towards women, his interactions with women, how he broke culture, cultural barriers, how he engaged in conversation with women, how he confronted who they are and met them face to face. If we believed that, we would never need an overcorrection. We would never need to, to rise up above anything because we would know who we are because we would believe what Jesus says. Isn't that great? Come on, somebody. Now, I want you to talk about, I want you to talk about uh, this understanding of being a woman in ministry. Um, and, and so how sometimes we don't know who we are, so we have this identity crisis fight between genders, but also just in general where we, you know, like um, it's hard to find sometimes a really healthy women's conference or a woman preacher that's not trying to be a man or not trying to be participate in, in this feminist type of spirit. Does that make sense? And it's not just truly someone rising up and saying, we have a voice, but it's, it's, it's like an overcorrection. So I love how you address this because I think it's really important that we know who we are and we release what we are and we don't try to be somebody else. There's a lot of confusion when it comes to the understanding of identity. Yes. And, and so I think it's really important that we, that we address the counterfeit yeah. because if I don't know who I am, I can't minister to the capacity that God wants me to and the same thing for you. Um, I believe there is an attack on identity in our culture today um, where men aren't men and women aren't women. Can I say that? I need my husband and every man in this room, I need you to be who God made you to be. I love and appreciate who you are and what you offer, not to just to this church, but to the body of Christ, to your city, to your community, to your family. I need you. I need you to be strong. I need you to be a protector. I need you to be to love the broken. I need you to do all of the things that God created you to do. And because sometimes there's been an attack on our culture, women have felt like we needed to replace what the man looked like. And in that, we've lost who we are. In our attempt to be equal to men, we've tried to become them. And we've lost an expression 
of who God is. The Bible says, I created male and female in my image. He didn't say, I created man and then a woman to be like a man in my image. He said, I created male and female in my image and in my likeness. When we lose who we are in our femininity, in our femininity we've lost an expression of God. So I long, and I believe the body of Christ is changing, and I think in the next five to ten years you're going to see a whole lot more women released in ministry that act like women. One of the hardest things for me, I don't preach as much as Zach asks me to, because one of the hardest things for me is to not be me. I have to be myself. I can't be anybody else, right? So sometimes I feel like I should only be speaking to women or moms or wives or whatever. And, and Zach and Holy Spirit are constant reminders. No, men need to hear what you have to say also. So as much as I need my husband to speak into my life, and you need my husband to speak into your life, you need me. Unapologetically, me. It'd be hard for you to say that a year ago. Absolutely. It really, it, 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 things have changed. There's a boldness, a confidence, and that's beautiful. That's powerful. So I choose to not contend with my husband. We're not, we're not at odds because we're different. We complement each other. And even in our world and in our culture, we're not at odds with the opposite sex. We complement each other. We need each other. When I understand who I am, I understand the value of the other person and how much I need you. When we don't live out of our identity, we don't see the value in the person across from us. So therefore, I have to demean who you are so that I can be accepted in who I am. And that's where I think the feminist culture has moved to today, is we have to demean men so that we can be valuable and strong. That's the backwards culture. The right culture says, I know who I am. I am powerful and strong as a woman and feminine. And because of that, I need you. I need men in my life. I need the men of God to be who God made them to be. We're not at war. We're not at war with each other. And we need men that are humble and honoring and foot washers and men that will repent for mistreating women and and shunning their voice. And we need men to break the back of that false counterfeit identity. Because we have this wrestle, this war that goes this and this. No, we need that. That this love of a mom, this love of a daughter, this love of a woman is, it's a part of God's nature expressing in the earth. We need moms and dads. We need the love. The, the second question I have for you has to do with that. So we know, some of you have probably heard this, like the love of the father shapes our identity. Have you ever heard that? The other thing it does is it aligns us. Like if you could imagine the love of a father making an adjustment to where you're, oh man, it's almost like, almost like a discipline, almost like a, you know, like, like a parent disciplining a son, not, not in a way 
where you know there's pain infliction, but it's it's an adjustment of the heart. It might hurt a little bit, figuratively speaking. But so I, I want to talk about this, though, because the love of the father aligns and shapes our identity, but the love of a mom cultivates that identity by pruning, yeah. watering, yeah. and nurturing. Yeah. And let's talk about that because that's that's missing. We always talk about the fathers. Where are the fathers? Yeah. Paul said. You know, there's a lot of paid teachers, but where are the fathers? Well, I want to say this, where are the mamas? Because talk about women in ministry, like how many here know that in the New Testament, there's 25 apostles mentioned by name and others implied, Jesus being one of them. And another one was a woman. Well, I don't believe in woman pastors. How about woman apostles? Is that good enough for you? Hallelujah. The woman at the well was known as an apostle. She's regarded as a saint, Saint Fatini. And all throughout history, we have this. And and so I I want you to just release this reality of how a mama's love cultivated you, but also we need it to shape uh, or cultivate and prune and nurture our identity. What does that look like? Um, So I look at it like um, I'm not like a horticulture person at all. If I had a plant, it would die. But Tell the story about my plant real quick. I had this plant. No, Sarah's laughing. I had this plant. No one else watered it but me. And I remember one day, I'm like, I looked at Sarah and her friend. I'm like, mom hates my plant. And I was really depressed. So it is true what you say. Yeah, I know. Um, if, if I had to grow something other than a living person, it would die. So... Every time I want to get a dog, I think, so I look at, I look at motherhood like cultivating a garden. Sounds like a conference name. A garden needs sun, soil, needs pruning, it needs um, nutrients, it needs all of these things. That's what a mom's love does. It cultivates cultivates the garden, prunes the things that shouldn't be there. It pulls out the stuff that shouldn't be allowed there. It makes sure, there, makes, makes sure there's enough sun and light and water. That's what a mama's love does. That's what a mama's love does. Let's, let's get rid of this idea that is unbiblical. And we, we try to put two scriptures together and, and we misrepresent what it is. And here's the saying that is not in the Bible. You guys ready? God helps those who help. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody knows that. The man is the head of the household. That's not in the Bible. You won't find it. It does say that the husband is the head of the wife. And it says the wife is the head of the home. Women have authority in their home. Now, you, you did some housekeeping the last two services. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage it again because it was so profound about the revelation that if there's rebellion, if there's weeds in the garden of the home, that it's a woman's job, obviously a husband too, there's authority, but women have authority in the home. And, And also that idea that it creates a culture of love and peace and to, to really keep your kids' hearts in, in a good, healthy place. Let's talk about that. Ladies, some of us, have given up the authority that God gave us to be the head of our house. And we've given over 
the behavior of our children, the correction of our children, the temperature of our house, so to speak. We've given all of that authority to our husbands and put that on him instead of shared it the way that God intended. So we, women, mamas, you have the authority to create the culture and environment that God has asked you to create in your home with your children. So if you allow yourself to have rebellious children that are operating under a spirit of witchcraft, because that's what rebellion is, you have the authority to change that. Oh, she said it. I don't, I have five children. I love my babies. They're amazing and perfect and awesome all the time. But sometimes when they're not, I do not allow a spirit of rebellion in my home. And I do not give that authority to my husband. I don't make him the one that has to correct my children. Not that he doesn't add who he is. Not that he doesn't father, protect, love, nurture our children. But I don't say, hey, you know, you made a mistake. We're going to wait till dad comes home so he can make it right. No. I have authority in my home to make corrections when they need to be corrected. So mamas... Don't tolerate rebellion. You have authority. Your five-year-old doesn't need to run your life. Sometimes mine does. (laughs) Let's just be real, right? Keep it real. Keep it honest. I have a five-year-old, and sometimes she plays the strings and does the things. But I will not tolerate rebellion. I won't. Because I believe what the Bible says, that as the head of my home, I set the tone. I set the the temperature, I set the atmosphere in my home of peace and grace and an atmosphere for my children to be cultivated in who God made them to be. And then I'm not afraid to send them out into the world. Now there's a relational dynamic to this where it doesn't mean the man doesn't have authority. So the saying, the the man's the head of the household, tries to tie the scriptures together that the husband's the head of the wife, the wife's the head of the home but we've lost the power of what that actually means. Now, what does it mean for the husband to be the head? What does that mean to you? Does that mean I'm in charge and you have to do whatever I say? That, that, would, not, no. that would not work. It, in some cultures, that's what it means. <laughs> um, I come from a very matriarchal environment from both sides of my family, where women ran everything. Just, just how I was raised. So I came into a marriage, and you talk about submission to me, and I'm already got the talons out. Submit to what? You ain't my daddy. But there is this, there is this um, beautiful thing in a marriage when you learn the rhythm of each other's heart where you learn to fight for each other, not against each other. The fighting the love fight doesn't mean I fight with you, it means I fight for you. My husband fought for me for years. I am not this beautiful, perfect, amazing person that you see here, I wasn't always her. (laughs) Years of being really loved by someone. Now, what the Bible says, is it tells the husbands first, love your wives. Not love your wife like you love tacos. 
It gives an example of how you're supposed to love your wives. Men, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Then it says, wives, submit to your husbands. Because let me tell you something, men of God. If you love your wife the way that Jesus loved the church, you will, your wife will submit to you on the daily. <laughs> there will be nothing in her heart that has contempt because you love her, because you give yourself to her, because over and over your job is to make her glorious. And that's, that's even a mutual submission. Submit, there, so there, it does say submit to one another in the fear of God. And I think that that's missing, that dynamic where, but you, you do a really good job at allowing me to be the husband and, and to be your head, to protect, to cultivate, to love and to release you and to, you know, to, to love you like Jesus loves the church. So it, when, do you see that it's unhealthy? We didn't talk about this, but I like, I liked where the conversation's going. That do you see that sometimes when we don't know our identities in this this extreme this feminism thing or whatever, do you see where that when that manifests in a marriage yeah. that it's like and then it could even manifest with an overcorrection the other way where there's subservient misogynistic domineering husbands and that's not healthy either, yeah. but there should be a place where we can. Our, I love what you said. This is so catch this couples catch this where we learn to have like the sharing of the rhythm of our heartbeats. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah. And it happens when we are in harmony, when I love what you love and you love what I love, and when our hearts are pointed in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that can't happen if we don't know who we are, and you're trying to be something you're not, and I'm trying to be something I'm not. Yeah. So I, I love you to just expound a little bit more of how sometimes that can creep up and what does it look like for functional, healthy, because I'm a strong leader. Mm-hmm. Remember the first time you tried to be my assistant when I was in the mortgage business? It didn't work. She no. quit. I hired her. She wanted to work and I'm like, okay, honey, I'm going to need you to, and she's like, don't tell me what to do. She did the neck thing. Do it because I'll hurt my neck trying. Go ahead. She did do it. Come on, do it now. Do the neck thing. She's like, are you for, and it just didn't work out. So <laughs> what does it look like where there's a flow, there's a harmony in a marriage where the husband, what does it mean for the husband to be the head? Yeah. Unpack that a little bit. You know, um, I have one partner. That's it. One partner. My kids are not my partner. I love them but my children aren't my partner. This is my partner. And my responsibility to my children is to make sure my heart is postured to my husband in a way that he can be the man that God called him to be. And with that, we share authority, decisions, life together. We share that as I love him into his purpose. He loves me into my purpose. And in that, see... Um, when you have a child, your child does not become the center of your universe. That is unhealthy. They are a very important part of your life, but they cannot be the center of your, your universe or they will cause friction in your marriage. 
And if you're a single mom, they can't be the center of your universe or they'll cause friction between you and Jesus. If you're a single mama, Jesus is your husband. Right? So he's, you share authority with the Lord. So we share. We, we, I don't make decisions without my husband. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. Because I know who I am and we're not at war. We're working together. I don't want to do anything without him. So good. Isn't that rich? So good. We could all really use that. I think the church could use this. Like the body of Christ. I think we've lost this, this dynamic of, and we're not talking like old school where, you know, I'm going to need you to make me a sandwich, woman. You know, like this. That's just funky, man. That's foul. But this honor and this mutual submission, but you do such a good job at what you just said. You have no idea how, how much it blessed me, honey, when you just said to, to honor me and, and so that I could be the man that God's created me to be. And you do a really, really good job at that. We're not perfect. Yeah, you are. I think you are. But I do know this. As a wife, sometimes we don't realize women... We don't realize how our love and affection can heal whatever turmoil our husbands are going through. Sometimes we feel like what they're going through is an inconvenience to us. Instead of understanding that we get the opportunity to heal with our love. Mm. So even if I'm sick and you need a sandwich, <laughs> if it's love to you, I choose to speak it. Why is that so funny? I don't know. <laughs> There's like a meme thing. It's a, yeah, if you like, explain it. There's like a meme, and it's like, honey. I don't care if you're sick, honey. I'm gonna need you to make me that sandwich. No, it's more. It's like, honey, I know you're not feeling well, but I'm gonna need you to make me that sandwich. But my, but my point is, sometimes we don't realize as women that the love that we have for our spouse, that love, we can choose to either. There's a scripture, there's a proverb, and it talks about the contentious woman makes her husband want to live on the roof in the corner. <laughs> I went to, I went to um, this women's thing with uh, Debbie Titus, and she, she gathered all the pastor's wives, and that's the scripture she read to us. And then she looked at us and said, don't be contentious. And we're like, but there's so much Powerful. wisdom in that, right? It's in Proverbs. It's the book of wisdom. It talks about what, it, what, what a contentious woman does to her husband. Ladies, we don't understand. Again, we've given our authority away because we don't know who we are. We've passed it up. We don't understand our strength, the, the strength that comes with our identity. We have the power to either heal the heart of our husband or to be the contentious woman that makes him want to run to the roof. And you're not talking about unhealthy enablement, like mothering. You're not talking about that. You're talking about a strength and an authority, but being able to be gracious where, and I'm telling you, if you love and give me affection, I'll make you a sandwich, girl. Come on, somebody. I'll cook you a whole meal. I will make steak and whatever. What do you want, baby? I got you. I like to cook. Can you tell? And I like to eat. Can you tell? Yes. Glory to God. Moving on to the next question. How can we do a better job at honoring the gift and love of mamas in church and in our personal lives? Um, I think we need to understand the value that women bring. 
Again, this goes back to a culture over and over again, especially in the church, where we haven't really valued what women offer. They can teach the children, they can do the bake sales, but when they're in the pulpit, what do they bring? When they're in our lives speaking to us, what are they offering? I think we can just posture our heart and say, what, how do we need them? What do they offer? I think another thing that we can do is understand that as a community, we play a part in co-laboring with each other. What I lack and you have, you give. That's what the, that's what the early church believed. And that was, that was what they lived, right? If, if one person lacked among us, then the other people give. So I think that as a community and a culture, that um, we need to understand that if there's single mamas in our midst, we need to love them, adopt them, love their kids. If there's widows in our midst on Valentine's Day, you have a wife, you're buying flowers for your wife anyway, think about the widow that's not going to get them this year. Oh, man, come on. What a beautiful way to honor and love. That's, that's so powerful. I just want to buy everyone flowers right now. Come on, somebody. When we know the lack and the need in the body, and we understand that we're a community, and we participate, right? You've preached this so many times. He's preached this so many times, how we, you cannot um, take from something Without par- you have to participate in this thing. Fellowship is participation. Fellowship isn't waiting for me to get. Fellowship is giving. If we understand that as a church community, we understand that it takes participation. We will see beyond, I'm going to come to church so that I can get my praise on, get my word, get filled up, and go. But I'm coming to church so that when I see... I open my eyes and I open my heart to see where can I fill a need. There's a single dad and I, and I know that I have that kind of love of a mama that can just take, take, the little, take the little one and just say, hey, how are you doing? And, and, and be like a mama to them. If you're a dad in this place and you know a single mom who's raising their children alone, how can you fill the gap? How can you fill the need? So there's... there's. It's um, powerful. Now, that can become unhealthy too, though, right? We can't enable. So, like, what if, what if it's not... Like, what if it's... We need to empower people to rise up. Mm-hmm. Everything that we've been talking about, really. But how sometimes when we step in and try to take ownership over what someone else is willfully not doing when God's yeah. empowered them... Yeah. We're actually stepping into their metron, mm-hmm. their place of authority, good. Yeah. which technically is kind of like witchcraft. Yeah. But not only is it funky like that, but it also can enable or paralyze them from being responsible mm-hmm. in what yeah. they're created to do. So we, how do we, we got to empower. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's what I want you to do right now, if you would, because Single moms, dads, this is, it's got to be like tough, right? For, for the single moms, empower them. Mm-hmm. Would you just empower them, release a blessing, and honor them? Yeah. Honor your mama. So my mama, my beautiful, amazing mama, is a single mom to three awesome daughters. She raised us. We love Jesus. We serve Jesus. And 
Um, and so I, I know what it's like, and I know the, the, how hard it is, because I lived through it. But she was strong. And I appreciate the community of people I was in because I was able to see examples of what good fathers were supposed to look like. Um, but I just, I just extend the grace that you need right now as a single mom, that you're not lacking because Jesus, the Bible says he's a father to the fatherless, a husband to the husbandless, and a friend to the friendless. He is everything you need. He has everything you need. So don't worry if you're alone. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about what it looks like. Trust the Father. Trust him. Let's bless everyone in the house with this, this reality of how important it is to honor the love of mamas and just to see women released in their destiny and to see this mutual honor given. Uh, and, and I'd love to see the body of Christ really learn to embrace and, and not see the counterfeit thing happen. So let's just, can we close? Are you all ready to, let's just do this now. If we could have a worship team, Kevin, come on up and, and let's pray together. And uh, I, I just feel like it's important sometimes for us to recognize not just honor, we're going to honor the moms. Let's bless the moms, but then pray for that nurturing love to be released. Maybe there's some people here that like they didn't know the love of a mom or, you know, they didn't have that. And so, or maybe they lost their mama or whatever. And, and so I, I think it'd be good to just seal that this moment and then we'll have people come up. One of my favorite things to do as a mom is just to pick up my kids after they fall yesterday we went to a birthday party and my little tiny one who thinks she's a giant she tried to climb the rock wall you probably have to be like 10 and she's five but so she climbed she tries to climb the rock wall and she scrapes her side and it just something inside of a mama just running to her baby when she's crying just wiping the tears off her eyes, kissing her forehead, fixing her boo-boo, putting the band-aid on it, and bringing her close and saying, everything's going to be okay. That's the mama affection. That's what I think the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning with each and every one of us. Sometimes life happens and we get boo-boos. <laughs> we get scrapes and bruises and dust and all of the things. So will you close your eyes with me and will you just imagine Holy Spirit coming. He's close but he's revealing how close he is and just saying I'm right here. I never left. I never left. And he wipes the tears off our eyes. He dusts us off and brushes all the dirt and fixes and heals all, all the bumps and the bruises and the scrapes and the stuff. Brings us close to him. Kisses our forehead and says, everything's going to be okay. Everything 
we have our prayer team come up. Uh, and I want to ask you, just all of you that are here, just begin to pray softly. Would you say, Lord, I receive your love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you have your prayer language, just softly pray. We could have our prayer team come up to the front here. Is there nobody here that's on the prayer team? Are we all missing? Are they all just slain in the spirit or something? I have to call three times. Please don't embarrass me. Thank you. All right. Anyone else that's on the prayer team, maybe you weren't scheduled, but just come on up. And Okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to have an altar call. And we're going to dismiss. But I, I feel like the Lord is going to heal hearts that maybe went through some abuse. Maybe an absent parent or parent that misplaced aggression. Or that's all they knew. And so it's so powerful when we forgive and let go of the healing that comes. And if you're here in this place and you're like, yeah, I don't even know what the love of a mom feels like or even a dad, I feel like the Lord's going to heal as you were praying, I just felt that, like the Spirit of God just like quickened my heart. And I feel like there's some mamas up here that want to hug God's people. Yeah. Pray with me, would you? Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you for just pouring and healing. We receive your love, God, right now. Holy Spirit, comforter, the helper. Thank you. We receive your grace in the name of Jesus. If you need prayer for anything at all, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, if you want uh, a, a prophetic word, if you need healing, if you feel like I've been looking for a church, guess what? You found one. You can come up here and we'll pray for you. We're going to dismiss but I want to invite anybody that needs prayer, especially if you feel like God's healing your heart from past things. So Father, we release that right now. Freedom and courage to take a step to come in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Honey, would you just dismiss everyone and then make sure they come if they need prayer. We love you. Have an amazing Mother's Day. Celebrate your mama. If you don't have one, I just bless you to celebrate who she was or who she wasn't to you. Um, and on your way out, if you're a mama, make sure you stop by our Connect, our Engage section and get yourself a gift. We love you. Have a blessed day. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, make sure you come up. And these mamas up here will hug you and love on you and give you anything that you pray for you for anything you might need. Have a great day.